podcast is brought to you by Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome all you QT's faithful to your monthly hymnal devotional, where each month we sit down and take an intense look at one of the majestic soundtracks from the Tarantinoverse. I'm your host, the Reverend Scott K, and it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show, friend of the podcast and co-host of the B News USA podcast, Mr. Pat Fournier. Together, we will be giving a thorough examination of the tracks that reside on the True Romance soundtrack as it comes up on its 30th anniversary. Welcome back, Mr. Fournier and may Tarantino be with you always. And also with you, Scott. I was sure we recording. Yes, we are recording <laughs> none of you out there in this podcast land will understand what we're talking about however this is the first major faux pas that i've had in almost three years of recording i've only had to re-record three episodes two prior to this the first two have because that the original recordings didn't come out properly or the guest would like a do-over however the reason we're re-recording this without you ever knowing is because my fucking dumbass forgot to hit record on the guest's audio so all i had was over an hour of myself talking to no one and responding to no one that would have been quite the podcast to put out of just myself bantering on with no one talking to me so we're doing it again why not let's one more time yeah. one more let's do it again maybe the first one wasn't so good are we gonna act surprise uh, a second time or yes yes you can act surprised at things i say Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> Jesus. So, yes, yes, I dropped the fucking ball, and here we are. We're re-recording it again a week later. But I cut out some of the stuff we talked about earlier, so we don't have to worry about that again. Uh, so we don't have to worry. I want, I want to ask you certain predictions and stuff like that, because who gives a fuck at this right. point? Went nowhere anyways. I have to confess that the first episode ever of B News USA will never be heard by anybody because I recorded it. And uh, we were done with the episode, and I shut off the DAW, uh, the recording software. And then uh, I thought to myself, I'm like, wait, did I save it? <laughs> and I did not save it. There we go. So nobody will ever hear that episode. 
So, you know, it happens. Yes. It, happens. it is rare in podcasting that you don't fuck something up and have to redo it. It's There's just so much going on, and sometimes you get in such a groove, you think, I've got this. I, I'm on autopilot. And that's when you fuck it up. That's when you <laughs> think you've got it down. You think you're fucking something Joe Cool, and you've got it all together, and then you fuck it up. Now, I'm sure the big boys, like fucking Joe Rogan and them, probably don't have that because they pay guys to engineer this. But not us. Not us lowly motherfuckers here at the bottom. We we do it all ourselves. We're one-man bands. We don't just show up and spout stupidity and then get paid for it. We actually have to work at this. And then if we fuck and it up, we there's don't only get paid for one it. person to talk about and blame, <laughs> and that's us. There's no one else I can blame. It'd be great to blame you. It would. It would be great. I think you even asked me, hey, do you want me to record on my side? I was like, no, don't worry about it. I've got this. Don't even worry about it. I'm nah. taking care of it. Oh, boy. So. Uh, anything new with your podcast? I forget what you said last time I asked you, so I'll ask it again anyways. <laughs> I have no fucking clue because I'm so flushed that I couldn't record. No, actually, we are in episode 2000. Uh, 2000. She's no. She's not just lying. Yeah, no, 232, and we just we just cruising along. You know, every every Tuesday we uh, we release an episode, and we you know we drink uh, a, a certain beer, we talk about it, we we uh, we taste it on the air, and then we talk about uh, kind of like the cultural differences between we're uh, both French. Well, now I'm um, I'm dual I'm a dual citizen now, but uh, so we talk about like we, we've been living in the U.S. for respectively 20, going on 21 years, and him. Almost 20. So we talk about the differences, you know, uh, uh, living in Europe versus living in uh, in the U.S. and visiting the U.S. when you've only been, uh, you know, lived in Europe, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And then we kind of talk about what we like, you know, this week, like it, it could be like a YouTube channel. It could be a movie. It could be a TV show. It could be a song. It could be, you know, what it, it gives us opportunity to just talk about something different than just beer and cultural differences, you know. And then that's it. We have a couple of uh, little skits uh, every week, you know, that we, we kind of do. It. We're not taking ourselves <laughs> Seriously, we kind of we kind of being a little little bit uh, silly, and and that's it. That's the show around an hour, and so you know if you understand French and if you are interested in beer or whatever, I'm, I'm not sure the cross section between this uh, show and our <laughs> show, but it, it could it, maybe you know. If you're a huge fan of uh, what's your name from Pulp Fiction, of oh, Fabian, of uh, Fabian, then you are <laughs> maybe a fan of this. Because I was gonna say, if you don't speak French, then do not listen to this podcast because you <laughs> won't understand what the fuck you're saying. No, what episode? do you think you'll get to by the time you get cirrhosis of the liver? What episode do you think that would be? <laughs> Since you're at 232, so it's 232 straight weeks of you uh -huh. drinking. I'm just wondering what episode are you aiming for? Do you think one of you will get cirrhosis? <laughs> one of us? Um, hmm. Uh, about four or five hundred, maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, you still got a long, long way to go. Yeah. Long and, way and to go. Plus, we do research during the week, you know? Yeah. We, we don't just drink on yeah, Tuesdays. Well, I'm, I'm sure. We, we do sure. research. You know, I have you no know. doubt. You have to research no your subject. Yeah. You know, you got to be prepared. So you've been doing this almost five years now then? Yes. Uh -huh. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Well, fans, uh, I will keep you updated as he will be on the podcast as much as possible. And when the cirrhosis hits, we'll probably do some kind of benefit and it'll be uh, mm -hmm. a big to-do. Be because of our do. great uh, healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Yes. Welcome to America. <laughs> we'll start a Patreon. And there, you just... go. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now... This is a weird episode, as is this month, as technically True Romance is not a Tarantino-directed film, nor is this a Tarantino-put-together soundtrack. That being said, this film and soundtrack are definitely Tarantino-adjacent. So, of the films I decided for this season, I kept in True Romance, as it is my gateway and one of my favorites of all time, 
And I also kept in From Dust Till Dawn because From Dust Till Dawn is Tarantino. I mean, the only thing he didn't do was direct it. Everything else is pretty much him and Rodriguez working together in tandem, in my opinion. Yep. Right. So those two stayed. Natural Born Killers is the farthest removed. And since there are two releases of Kill Bill, even though it is one succinct movie, we will be covering both of those films and we'll be covering both of those soundtracks. So this month we are falling in line and it is true romance that we bring in. And it's amazing to think that it is coming up on its 30th anniversary this September. And there will be a special 30th anniversary special this coming September. That means you and I are fucking old, sir. Yes. We it's, are it's official fucking now. old. <laughs> Painfully old. Yeah, I'd rather not think about it. I, like I think we've said... <laughs> I wouldn't change it because I absolutely loved this film. I absolutely loved the time frame we went through, yeah. all of that. I just can't believe it's gone by so unbelievably fast. That's insane. Like, so unbelievably fast. I remember watching that mo- this movie on VHS. That's how old we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's this movie on VHS that got me into Tarantino uh-huh. because I saw it in the theaters, and it was when it came out on the back of the box. It said, from the creator of Reservoir Dogs. So I instantly went and rented Reservoir Dogs. And that was that. And then I, it was just all happening in the same time frame of the summer of 94 that this happened. The fall of 94, you get Natural Born Killers. Again, really Tarantino adjacent, but also Pulp Fiction. And that's yep. that. That is it. Within within 13 months, because this movie comes out in September of 93 to October of 94. In 13 months, I go from not knowing who the fuck Tarantino is to it is the center point of my life and has now been for close to 30 years. Mm-hmm. Insanity. And, and just yeah, just think about in just a few months, a couple of years in the 90s, like that was that was sort of a golden age of cinema, I, I think, for, oh, for, yeah. for our generation at least. And just, just that Tarantino adjacent, uh, you know, universe, like with Robert Rodriguez, yep. you know, Desperado, you know, from Dust Till Dawn and, and Pulp Fiction and, and all that happening within two two years. Like it, yeah. it's insane. It's, it's, it, I don't think it'll ever be, you know, ever happen again on that scale. Sadly, again, this is going to sound like a bunch of old farts. Oh, it, yeah, I just realized what I just said. But in fairness, I do truly believe, and not just because of our age, but because we're also still living it. I'm still a big cinephile, and I'm a huge fan of music. But the 90s seemed to be the very last decade where there was a renaissance of film and music at the same time. And now it's all very corporate, very, we do the same thing over and over again. We have corporate music, and now we kind of really, I mean, I don't hate Marvel movies, but it's like all that's really a lot of times out there. And so the center, I'm hoping with some of the stuff A24 and others are doing, like maybe we'll get Mm -hmm. into another push to do something, you know, some newer experimental cinema. But it does feel like we're, we're kind of in that stagnant time frame of we just don't have those new directors yet that are just as exciting or as groundbreaking yeah because it's it's superhero movies and they keep making money so they keep making them and it's it's just incentive to to keep doing the same thing i mean personally i don't like those movies i don't watch them i i don't begrudge anybody who likes them that's that's terrific that's awesome that's the way i feel about star wars i'm i'm so glad people are a fan of something i love being a fan of something like i love it i wish i was a fan of star wars and and those those uh, superhero movies because I would have plenty of content, but I just, <laughs> I just happen to not enjoy it. But, you know, but if you're out of that, what do you like? There's a few movies here and there, of course, but think about the nineties. Like we were just saying all those movies, plus like the seven, you know, all, all those, all those yeah. movies that, that came out and the music, like in, in, I think one month, I think like the red hot chili peppers and Metallica and, you know, and, and so on. Like it's, it was insane. Like, 
Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. No, maybe, I, I agree. I agree. I, I And it's not a begrudging a younger generation. I actually feel kind of sad for them. I kind of feel well, yeah. like we got lucky. Like Tarantino, he he loves the 70s. In the 70s, I feel we got what the 90s became. You know, we got our chance in the 90s to have this brand new experimental cinema. A lot of uh, great artists were created and came to the forefront. And I feel like there's still some good stuff coming out. I can't be like Tarantino and say there's nothing. But in the same respect, it's just it seems to be lost in the noise that is nothing but superhero films mm. and TV shows and or remakes and retreads and you know now, and then music has has become very stagnant itself right it's, but younger young people that's there's, there's a, a, a I have a 17 18 year old in my family and he's he's guitar player he loves rock and and all that kind of stuff and it's never been this easy to listen to everything that's been made in the last past 60 years so you, you just click now you you get a streaming service or or YouTube and you just and you just click on it and and you have access to everything that's ever been recorded now when we were that age uh you had to buy cds and maybe one song was good you know and and then you, you just you just wasted your your allowance on on a cd and you just like that one song and the rest suck you know that yeah. right, now, right now it's like you you don't like a song you can make playlists we we, we couldn't do yeah. that um, you know so, true you know so and and their fans like his his favorite album of all time is the first boston record wow. so you know yeah. and he's, he's all he's all into led zeppelin and all that kind of stuff so you know it's the most the music that's the most streamed right now is music from like the 70s i think it makes sense kind of sad but yeah so you know i, I hope that i hope there's going to be like a resurgence and something new but i don't know there's no incentive and for uh the people in the the, the business to, to be yeah. taking risks right now so i don't know i don't know it's it's interesting we have the most availability to use technology that we've ever had ever in any generation and yet because it's so readily available Maybe that's why we're not having such great experimental or real groundbreaking stuff coming out because it's just easy to make yeah. just anything. Anybody can make a, a yeah. record, and, in, and in their, maybe in their maybe house. not everybody should. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know. Well, anywho, you did not join this podcast <laughs> no. to listen to two old fuckers talk about the old <laughs> days like a bunch of fucking. <laughs> White cocksuckers always do. You're here for us to go through the beautiful soundtrack about to reach its 30th anniversary in true romance. And now it's time to reach under your pews and pull out your Church of Tarantino hymnal as we begin our devotional with the soundtrack from True Romance. The True Romance soundtrack was released on September 7th, 1993 by Morgan Creek Records. It features 12 tracks from various artists and has a running time of 46 minutes and 58 seconds. At the time of this recording, no further information can be found on how many copies of the soundtrack have been sold. Our first track comes from Mr. Hans Zimmer, and it's You're So Cool. The opening sequence features narration by female lead Patricia Arquette and the song You're So Cool by Hans Zimmer, a catchy xylophone piece. All of this is strikingly similar to the 1973 film Badlands, which opens with narration by the female lead Sissy Spacek and a catchy xylophone piece which sounds eerily similar to You're So Cool, written some 20 years later for True Romance as an original score. Both films chronicle a cross-country crime spree with a young couple. This track plays during the main titles as Alabama is doing a voiceover. It is also the theme that will reappear throughout this film. There are a few spots on this album where the theme kind of resurfaces, but it is under a different kind of sound. However, it is usually used whenever we are going into a positive moment in the film, which sometimes is not a lot of. seems like anytime we get done with a violent scene or something that's tragic happened and we, we've surpassed that, we get this theme to come back up and it kind of makes us feel good again and brings us through. However, 
The opening sequence does have a bit of some controversy. It features, obviously, as I said, Miss Arquette narrating over it to that song, much like a similar song from 1973, Badlands did. Now, there's a catchy xylophone in that one as well, and it has a female narration to begin with from Miss Sissy Spacek. However, I have listened to both, and you can search on YouTube. They'll play them back to back. So you can hear the one from Badlands, and then you can hear the version from True Romance. When I first saw Badlands about three years ago, it was one of the first things I noticed. Like, oh, Okay, yeah, this definitely sounds very familiar. However, being familiar, it is not the same. It's very Mm -hmm. much like what Tarantino does. It's definitely reference. This is definitely a reference from Hans Zimmer, and it's also clearly a reference for Mr. Tony Scott, who directed the film. But that's about it. The catchy xylophone and the voiceover definitely paying homage to Badlands. However, I like this version of the xylophone song that Hans Zimmer created better. Your take, sir. Well, yeah, uh, it's it's obviously an homage because the, of the um, the recitation, the, the voiceover. It's it's with the same accent. It's almost word for word the same the same sentences, the same lines as in Badlands. So it's it's clearly an homage, and it's it's you know it's the, like a romance, like a, a two people falling in love, and and some some violent um, things happen, and so so it's clearly an homage. And if you listen to the original, like the Carl Orff, uh, I believe it's uh, Garson now or something like that. I'm, I'm terrible. Something German. German. <laughs> something German. Fried sauerkraut and, and things. But I find Hans Zimmer version is much more of an earworm, much more uh, condensed. It's it's more like a, it's almost like a pop version of it. Like it's more catchy. It stays yes. in your head more. Because if if you ask me to hum or to, to sing the, the Hans Zimmer one, I could do that. Yep. And if you ask me to hum the original, I can't. It's, you can't. It's, it's, you'll hum Hans Zimmer. You'll hum. Yeah. <laughs> But it it's it's very kind of disjointed and more like classical music, and, and this one is is more like a pop song, and it's it's got a distinctive melody that it does. from start to finish. So it, it's it, it's more condensed. I, I like it better. Also, agreed. I love it. Like it is one of my favorites uh, theme songs, even though it's not technically a Tarantino theme song. It is a very catchy, just beautiful theme song. Like whenever you hear it, it just it puts you in a good mood. You could use this as your alarm. Sound to yes. wake you up every morning. I don't know that you'd wake up because you'd just be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go back to sleep." But it would put you in a good mood. You won't wake up aggressive and running. You just, you just won't. It's not gonna set you off. You're gonna start off like, "Ah," oh. you may even feel like you're in the islands. You know, it has this very yeah. Caribbean feel to it. So maybe put that as your as your alarm on the weekends. Maybe not not yes not the weekday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 a lot catchier, and it's uh it's it's gonna come back in in the in the movie and on the soundtrack as well, and it it kind of encapsulates their relationship, and you know it's their theme music. Yeah, it's the romantic part of yes. the soundtrack for sure. That leads us to song number two, a real good ditty known as Graceland from Charlie mm-hmm. Sexton. Charlie Sexton is an American blues rock guitarist and singer who has released five solo albums to date, and is most famous for being hired by Bob Dylan to replace Bucky Baxter in his touring band. Charlie wrote and recorded the song specifically for the soundtrack. This plays at the very opening of the film as our man Clarence is given his Elvis monologue that he would, if he had to fuck a dude. I mean, if he had to. He had to. But, you know, had to. You know, <laughs> for whatever reason, that would be the thing. If he had to put his dick in another man, it would be Elvis. If he really had to. If, he, if, if only if he had to. If the fate of the world depended on it and it's like, <laughs> and someone was like, hey, you gotta fuck a guy. I'm gonna be nice about this. You pick. You pick who you wanna fuck, but you gotta fuck somebody if you wanna save the world. 
world. If that's some deranged twist from a really bad James Bond film, then you're fucking Elvis. But this is the song that gets us through it, and it is pitch perfect for this scene. Yes. It is fantastic, and it's surprising that Charlie Sexton, outside of Austin, Texas, is not well-known or that he didn't make more of this kind of music because it's really fantastic. Oh, yeah. And we talked about the very first time we recorded this. All of the stuff on this soundtrack, this is one of those songs where I think Tarantino himself would have chose this song if he couldn't afford an Elvis song for the moment that it's in. Your thoughts? Absolutely. Well, um, I'm going to show my hand. Uh, this is my favorite of the soundtrack. It's one of my favorite songs of all time, actually. And wow. I, it, it really sets it up like the Elvis theme with the, with the hands slapping on the... On on the back of the acoustic guitar, kind of like Elvis did uh, on uh, "Don't Be Cruel," I believe it's an Elvis tribute, and, and, and it's fantastic. I, every there's there's not one note of one instrument in that song that that I don't like. It, it's it's amazing. I, I just love his voice and just just the way he sings. The the the, the you know the slap slap bass. The the drummer, the drummer yeah. is amazing. Just I love that song. It's uh, I, I know you're gonna ask me the questions uh, <laughs> at the end of the episode. I'm it's already right. answering. You and this Steve Smith seem. It must be some European thing. You like. To just jump ahead of things, just don't want to follow fucking order. I wouldn't be Jesus. terrible at poker. I, that's, yes. that's it. <laughs> What's amazing about the song, though, is the very first time I remember hearing it, I actually thought it was an Elvis cover. I actually thought Graceland, you know, 30 years ago was actually this guy Charlie Sexton covering an Elvis song. So it's quite a surprise when you find it later in life, especially when you can start searching it, you know, once you've got the internet, that it actually is a song he wrote and recorded. And Elvis had nothing to ever do with the song that's about his favorite place, which is Graceland. So apparently this this was recorded for the soundtrack. Yes. It's not part of uh, like one of his albums because I, I tried to do some research. I couldn't find it anywhere. Can I talk about it? Can I plug another uh, podcast that, uh, that I really yes, appreciate? Yes, please do. As long that's as they listen to us, otherwise they'll be cut out. It's a Elvis uh, Presley uh, centric podcast. It's called the TCB cast. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. I have now. And it's, 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 it's great. They, uh, every week they talk about it. Obviously they, they, they pick a song or they pick an album or a movie or, and it's, it's really good. I, I think if, if you, if you like Elvis, uh, you would appreciate it. And, and listeners, I, I think if you, if you're interested in, uh, in Elvis, I think you would uh, really appreciate that podcast. And they, those two hosts is, is two hosts. Uh, funny enough, I've never been to Graceland. Just like the song says, that's what I'm talking about. Because it's the same thing. Like they, they don't want it's to, to them and embodies maybe like uh, Elvis. They, they, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have to be them to explain why they haven't been to Graceland, but they haven't. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. And 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 uh, uh, I chatted on on Reddit the other day with one of the hosts, and I asked him if he knew of that song, the Graceland, and he said uh, I, I discovered it a couple of years ago, and he says, yeah, that's that encapsulates how I feel about that place. I'd I'd rather think of Elvis as a greasy Memphis kid instead of a bloated guy in a jungle room, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> So it's it's pretty funny, and I love this song. It's it's a classic. It's it's an instant classic. If you like rockabilly, you will love that song. And if you like that song, and you don't know you like rockabilly, well, you like rockabilly. So. <laughs> fair point. Very fair point. <laughs> you know that that could be like your gateway drug to rockabilly. And I I just love the scene. Like uh, um, I, I was saying uh, the other day, I, I'm I'm gonna try not to say that too much. Like I was saying last time. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, this this opening scene when when you, we see Clarence in in the in the bar and this song is playing in the background and he's talking about Elvis and just just the atmosphere the song the monologue the way he's dressed everything I, when I first saw that scene I, I was like okay this movie is made for me like if, if they would have made a movie a, an opening scene of 
a movie for me specifically, that would be it. Like that's that, that just sucked me in, and that's everything I like. I, I, I love you know Elvis. I love it, it's just the, the whole vibe of it. Just 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 the uh, anti not anti hero, but like the uh, underdog kind of kind of guy. You know that that you can uh, identify with, and it's clearly Tarantino. You know putting Hell himself yeah. in, in there. Clarence is Tarantino. He's he instead of working at the uh, video archives, he he works at a, a comic book store. But it's you know so and yes. and going on an adventure like Badlands, and it's you know it's <laughs> it, it's it's him daydreaming really about his life that he 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 could he met you know a cute blonde that tastes like peach you know so <laughs> <laughs> and I I just love that song I love the opening sequence uh, blah 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 I love it I love it. <laughs> Well, that'll bring us to a song that I recently have kind of fallen in love with, and that is Track 3's In Dreams by John Waite. John Waite is an English rock star who rose to fame in the 70s as the lead singer of the band The Babies. In the 80s, he launched a solo career, making it big in 1984 with his number one hit, Missing You. At the end of the decade, he would front the band Bad English. Waite wrote and performed the song specifically for this soundtrack. This song plays while Clarence and Alabama are talking in the diner after the Three Sunny Chiba Kung Fu Marathon. And uh, I got to say, the more I've listened to it, the more I really, really enjoy the song. And it doesn't get enough of an attention to it because it is playing so beautifully in the background of the diner. The important part is them talking, him asking his questions, him doing the, El- he's, you know, we're at the end of the Elvis speech again. Yes, that's And then he funny. starts asking her questions. And you can kind of hear it when he asks her, you know, I guess the last question is, uh, do you have a fella? And she pauses and you can kind of hear it. And then she goes, well, ask me that again later. So it's a really good song from John yes. Waite. and. It's so missed because of where it's placed and because of the moment it's placed in. It fits perfectly. However, I do not believe this would be a song that if Tarantino was picking the actual no. soundtrack, would have made it into the film. Agreed. I think he would have put some some obscure 60s, you know, track or something else, I think. Or like a 70s like he did with the Delphonics in Jackie Brown. Right. Something something 70s soul. Or Al Green or, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Definitely. This is more like a, this is where the Tony Scott influence is is felt but i think it it fits that scene I, I love that scene when they're just out of the theater they're on the sidewalk and they're deciding what to do and that song starts and it just that that scene gets me every time it just it's perfect the the acting you know the lines the the, the script writing the music everything just just fits and and that that song is is perfect so that's where i think tony scott you know that's the that's that's the hand tony scott had in making the movie and, and mm-hmm. i think I think Tarantino would have done it differently. And and I think we wouldn't have that little piece of, of cinema if, you know, if, if yeah. Tarantino would have would have directed it, I think he would have done it different. And this song, it, it's 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 beautiful, and but it's funny because it's it's kind of I wouldn't say cheesy, but it's it's very it's very nineties, very late eighties, early nineties, yes. And, but but what I like is that th- there's a line in there that says the world out there can kiss my ass, and it's like whoa, it's so jarring. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's he says that with his pretty pretty breathy voice. And, <laughs> it's like whoa, <laughs> this is different. But yeah, I, I don't think we would have had that song in that scene if Tarantino would have directed it. So I'm no. gonna, did, did you know of John Waite before? Um, I did know of John Waite before that, which was I was surprised why that this song came in, but also surprised that it really wasn't a big hit for him because he was kind of at the end of his you know short run of the 80s and 90s because things were, were really changing fast in the 90s. It's also a fantastic song because it's, you know, we, we got the Graceland song, which leads us into knowing about who our guy is. That's It's the theme song for Clarence. We know he's an Elvis man. We're like, okay, he's cool as, as all get up. 
And then we get, you know, our You're So Cool to homage. And then we get the Kung Fu thing. And then this starts that love theme for the next 20 minutes that'll roll through that will set it up that they're going in love. But this is the first one that does it. Because after that scene, it leads to track number four, Wounded Bird, by your favorite group, Charles and Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) Charles and Eddie were an American soul duo best known for their 1993 hit, What I Like You. Also in 1993, they would contribute songs to two other soundtracks, Adam's Seven Values and Super Mario Brothers. This song plays as Clarence is telling Alabama about the comic book that he's reading and, you know, the guy losing the uh, ring overboard and he's fighting a Nazi and all this stuff. And then it continues on as they have sex, as there's a sex scene, which there are only two sex scenes in the actual Tarantinoverse, and neither of them are really sex scenes. <laughs> One's a very out-of-breath sex scene, another one is just making fun of a French woman who decides to sell out her country to be a whore of a German. And so not the sex scenes that we get from this, but Clarence in Alabama says, well done. It's a well done sex scene from Tony Scott. And this song fits. The song fits for the scene. Again, had there been an actual sex scene and this has been a Tarantino directed film, this song would not have been a part of it. I don't hate the song. Because I'm so used to the scene, that song and scene are married together. So, like, it's, you know, it's like, oh, I know the scene. I know the song. Here we are. However, the other day driving, I was listening to my Tarantino playlist, which this is on, and I skipped it. So, <laughs> I, have to, I have to be honest. Like, I love it in the scene. I don't love it outside of the scene. Your take. Well, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, this, this, this is going to come back uh, very soon. Uh, fits the scene. Don't want it on a CD. Coming up very, very soon. But yeah, Charles and Eddie, I, I remember in 92, I want to say maybe, 92, 93, they had it's a around song. around 1993. Yeah, they had, they had a big year in 93, Charles and Eddie. Right. What I like to you. And it's that, that, that at the time, yeah. I would... I was all into grunge and rock, but for yep. some reason, that's I like that song. It was it was it was a cool <laughs> song, but 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 yeah, well, I mean, I, like, I said, like I was, hey, I'm middle aged. I don't I don't have any you know I I don't care anymore. You know like that's guilty pleasures. I'm too old for guilty pleasures. I, I think it fits in the beginning of the scene when they're in the store. I think it it fits really well. Like when when we we look at Patricia Arquette's face, and we clearly can tell she's she's starting to fall for, for Clarence, and it's it's no longer a, a job that she's doing. She's starting to really like him. I think it fits for that scene. But then when we get to that love scene, uh, it's too on the nose to me. I, it's, really? It's, okay, it's, fair, very fair. However, oh given that it's ninety three, it's. Right on the nose. Does that makes sense. Right. Like, well, yeah. No, like, like it fits perfectly for 1993 yes. and the move the way new movies were. But nowadays, yeah, it's, it's a little almost like, oh, okay. So we made a song for a sex scene for a and, movie. And this is why I think Tarantino movies have aged uh, so well is that he doesn't do that. He he, yes. he takes something that's older and it, it it creates like it's almost timeless. Uh, yes. it, and this is so 90s. That when you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's 90s. Yeah. When you watch Pulp Fiction, which came out, what, a year later? Yeah. You don't think, oh, that's the 90s. No. No, you're At right. At no point. Out, out, outside of the cell phone. Outside of the cell phone, <laughs> right. everything else is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it, 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 it doesn't market. It doesn't age it, you know? I agree. I agree 100%. Like I said, not a fan of the song. 
in the scene. Yes. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It does not bother me because it just doesn't. Like oh, I, no, I, I know it's that we're a movie. I know that we're moving from there. Yeah, I know. I know we're about to get into the good stuff from there. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it doesn't it's bother. Bar, me. It's, I don't know if I've, I've said this, but it's True Romance is my favorite movie of all time. So it fits in. It fits in the scene. It fits in the movie. I love it. I love it in the movie. Now, do I want to be driving around and listening to Wounded Bird by Charles <laughs> and Eddie? No, no, no. So no. what he's saying is yes. <laughs> Folks, this is what he listens to when he's driving around Louisiana looking for the latest beer they're going to drink and get cirrhosis to. <laughs> it's Wounded Bird. <laughs> it is so cheesy. Uh, to me, it, it could have put something like a Motown, you know, like an old Motown uh, you know, song well, or something. Well, you know, here's the thing. You and I are going to get into this at the end because there's at least six or seven songs that don't make mm-hmm. the actual soundtrack but are in the film. And so, again, it may be one of those things where they're a new band they're kind of getting some popularity so they want to help their popularity and they're going to put it in this film and so they may have gotten this cheaper because there's a couple yes. of band songs who don't make it clearly would have been the better choice but you know this is where they make their cuts this is where they make their decisions you know what well, yeah. makes it and what makes it what doesn't a bunch of lawyers in a room discussing yeah. you know copyrights and and points and percentages and you know they, yeah. they, none of them are thinking of us driving in our car no because it leads to track number five yeah, your the, favorite song. No, oh, amazing. I want your body by Nymphomania. <laughs> Nymphomania was a project of Dutch producers Michael Vanderkay and Nick Nanny, founded around model, TV host, and vocalist Monique Sluter. I want your body was released as a single in 1991 and became a techno chart hit in the U.S. and Japan. The techno song playing at Drexler's place when Clarence pays him a visit and eventually shoots him in his dick and kills him. Now again, this song I love in the film. Absolutely works. And there's, believe it or not, folks, there's actual vocals to it that you don't really hear in the film. But if you listen to it, yes, yes. So, again, another it came on the other day, and I listened to the first few seconds and thought, I'm going to go kill a pimp. And then I was like, I got to change it. So, again, it it does fit. Like, I really do feel, just, I mean, for the scene, it works so fucking well. It builds such tension, such anxiety, because it's just fast techno track that almost sounds like you're in hell. It's, it's like, you know, it's just a very violent-sounding oh, yeah. techno track with a that very is, weird name. That is playing in hell, by the way, right now. It is. That's, oh, the, and it's just... On repeat. And I don't know if it's like there's like a, there's just like this loud, like almost siren part to it, mm-hmm. and you can just hear it thumping. And when I hear it thumping... You know, like your heart beats because in the scene it's it works beautifully. Outside of the scene, you actually want to shoot someone in the face in the dick because that song is annoying as fuck. But in the scene, the thing is, as soon as you hear it, your mind instantly goes to, "Oh shit, we're at Drexler's. This is gonna get good." And then two seconds into the song, you're like, "You know what? I'm gonna watch the movie now. Listen to this fucking song because it won't be as fucking painful." So again, not a song, not a song that Tarantino would ever have picked. No. No, but it fits. It's perfect it for the scene. And I got to be honest. I'm trying to think of the music that Tarantino's a fan of. I don't know that he picks a song that fits better than this song, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's not a big Zeppelin fan. He's, you know, he's not a huge no. rock fan. And there's not a whole lot of tracks in the R&B soul world that get to this level of intensity hip-hop, and bring forth. Hip-hop would have probably would have gone for, but yeah. in the 90s, this is during the, the age of, you know, we're at the peak of gangster rap. That's not going to be cheap. No. And it would have felt a little too on the nose. It makes sense because he's at a brothel, uh, you know, we're at some whorehouse. And so it does make sense that there's this kind of techno music playing as opposed to just straight up like gangster rap. But 
I know it's your favorite song, so I'll let you tell us all about how much you love it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Again, perfect. Like you just said, you, you put it you put it perfect. Perfect for the scene. Ho- horrible. Worst ever on a CD track. <laughs> this It's the song that plays in hell on repeat, and, and you just, you're in hell. And that's that's what's playing. I have yet to listen to that song all the way through. I can't stand it. it it's one of those that, that are perfect for the movie, and it's the wor- you don't want that on the soundtrack. And like you, <laughs> like you just said earlier, there's so many songs they left off the soundtrack. I, I made my own soundtrack. I, I, I put some of the songs that are in the movie but not on the soundtrack on, on my playlist. This is terrible. I, I mean, but, but it's perfect because because Drexel's a terrible person, and of course he would have the worst taste in music. Yes, he would. Yes. That's what he would be getting off to that 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 horrible soulless, you know, uh, assault to, to 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 the the senses. It perfectly <laughs> sets up how trashy he is with that trashy song. <laughs> However, I don't want that on a CD. You don't know this, but I have reached out to your wife and. If you pass before I do, I have asked to be at your service, and I've told her that you would like this as the procession song it should be brought through. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to, if you go before me, just know right. that I want your body by no means. I'm going to pick one for you then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it'd be fantastic. But <laughs> hope that's many years from now. This song is, is one of the reasons I think. That that CD doesn't hold up as a CD because yeah, Tarantino, yeah. true Tarantino soundtracks. I'm talking about Pulp Fiction, even Reservoir Dogs, which we can talk about. I'm sure you talked about it in, in the other episode. It, it's a little, you know, it's a little wonky. There's, it's there's great songs are others. great. It's bad songs. I wouldn't say are, bad. It's, are, it's unmemorable eh. songs are just that they're not very memorable. You you don't care about the good ones. You're like fuck. These are amazing. Yeah. And the other ones you're like. Eh. This is even worse. The the peaks are are very high and the lows are very low. I think even yeah. more so than Reservoir Dogs. But it's not a it, it's not a Tarantino soundtrack. Tarantino soundtrack. Uh, no. Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Everybody I knew in my age range. I'm sure you were the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody had that CD. If you didn't have that CD, you were a schmuck. You you were an idiot. You missed it. You know you yes. you, you weren't you weren't in the zeitgeist like no. you had to have that cd but by having that cd you went and got reservoir dogs though too you went back right. and got it because of you course. owned pulp fiction that's exactly what i did i got pulp fiction like, oh, mm-hmm. I got reservoir dogs now too of yep. course that's how that's how it worked for me for the movies. I saw Pulp Fiction yep. first, and then I, and then I went backwards and I watched uh, True Romance and Reservoir Dogs on VHS. So that's you know, but that song Nymphomania, I, I, I want your body. That that's one of the reasons this CD is is not. It doesn't work as a cohesive soundtrack. It's not. I'm gonna put that on the C, on the CD player or whatever I, uh, on my phone and just just run it all the way through. You can't. If you listen to the rest like Graceland. If you enjoy the song Graceland and then you get to this song and you enjoy it the same, you're probably a psychopath. I mean, some, I don't know. Do you think there's people out there that, that enjoy both songs equally? They're called Europeans. <laughs> no, you know, this is, this is why I hate that song it's because it reminds trash. me. It really is. It, it reminds me of every like club nights that I spent in, in, in Europe, in France, in Spain, in England. And you hear that stuff that 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 horrible music, and and you have to you have to just suffer through that stuff. So that it just <laughs> it just reminds me of that Euro trash stuff. I hate it. It's like I can't stand it. Like may, maybe you guys in America, growing up in America, you weren't exposed to that Euro we trash. We weren't exposed to it as much. No. no. So so to you, it's like a novelty. True. Me, it's like I, I'm having bad flashbacks of horrible <laughs> horrible evenings in a disco where it you know I, I whatever I. I 
that just I got either didn't didn't get the girl or you know <laughs> get, I don't know it's just it's terrible it just had had a had a boring time on uh, paid paid way too much money for for <laughs> drinks to try and score and didn't score the girl and just had to listen to horrible music in the meantime so yeah no I hate that song. <laughs> Well, while we talked, I did reach out to Nymphomania's people, and I have asked if they could maybe make a techno theme song for your Be News USA podcast. Well, we'll oh, see what happens. We'll see, we'll see if they can come through. Amazing. No. Oof. I'm, I'm, I'm crossing fingers, my fingers. Fingers crossed. <laughs> After the amazing track five, we move on to track six and slow things down a bit with Stars at Dawn by Hans Zimmer. This is the second of three orchestral pieces on the soundtrack. This song plays while Clarence and his father are having a heart-to-heart talk outside of his father's trailer while Alabama is at the liquor store trying to get fried chicken and liquor. And Clarence is surprised that she couldn't get fried chicken at 7 o'clock in the morning. So, again, it's just one of those moments that's in there. Again, you'll hear the xylophone. It's a little bit of a take on You're So Cool, but it's not exactly as the exact same uh, pattern. So it's just in there. It's, you know, when you hear it, you'll notice. You go, oh, yeah, I remember that. That's right. It's nothing that we need to spend time on because it's just another moment in the well, in the soundtrack. Or oh wait a minute, go it ahead. Star- it, it starts like you're so cool, you know. It starts like the like the the first one on on the yeah. soundtrack, but but then it goes into a, a rock jam. I don't I don't know if you if you noticed that, yes, but it, yeah. it, it just. So so what part of the movie is that? And I I can't play. I it. think I, the, the rock the, the, part happens after she pulls up and is talking to him and then drives off because from there. It jumps to, uh, I feel like it goes to, oh, it goes to Dick Ritchie uh, reading his lines, oh, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For T.J. Hooker. Okay. Yeah, with for TJ. Kill him. Shoot him. <laughs> he says one line and he goes, Thank you. That was great. Yeah. Goodbye. And he gets the fucking part. Get the fuck out. <laughs> it's like the worst acting you've ever seen. Uh, Shoot him. Shoot him. <laughs> but uh, to your point of finding uh, fried chicken at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm, uh, I live in South Louisiana. I'm pretty sure I could find you some fried chicken at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yes. But I, I can not, make that not in Detroit. Apparently no. not in Detroit. No. Apparently not. Never been to Detroit, but I, I could probably find you some at 7 o'clock in the morning. And some boudin on top of that. That's why it's called Louisiana, folks. <laughs> and and we could probably uh, stop at a drive through uh, daiquiri shop and get a, a daiquiri, some kind of adult beverage. <laughs> number one in adult beverages and fried chicken in the morning, number Drive-thru. 48 in education. <laughs> <Yes. Yes. laughs> Merca. Number two in teenage pregnancies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of teenage pregnancies, no, I'm kidding. Now let's get us to track number seven. I need a heart to come home to ah. by Shelby Lynn. Now we're talking. This song was the eighth track on Shelby Lynn's 1993 country western album, Temptation. Two singles were released from that album, and this song was included on the True Romance soundtrack as Morgan Creek was also the label who released Shelby's album. Now this song is playing when Alabama and Clarence are in Clarence's trailer, and they're technically meeting, or Alabama's kind of meeting her now father-in-law for the very first Mm -hmm. time. And it's just this little country western song that's playing on his little radio. It works perfectly. It kind of tells us a little bit more about who Clarence's dad is, and the time frame he comes from, and the era that he comes from, and the kind of music that he likes. I mean, this is old. Old country western. This is the kind of music that re- the country fans who say they're country fans nowadays have no fucking clue what it is. They're just the new Johnny Come Lately pop country fans who have no appreciation for the original country. Not that I'm saying the Shelby Lynn song is an amazing track. However, as I said on the Reservoir Dogs about the country song that was on that CD, it works for the scene it's in. So I don't have a problem with a need a heart to come home to. Is this your wedding song that you 
dance to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, actually, I, I I do like that song. I like I like Shelby Lynn. I like country music. I'm a country music fan, and this is real country. I mean, there's a fiddle, you know, and it's it's real country. It's, it's <laughs> there's a fiddle. Country. There may be a jug, and I think there may be a brother <laughs> sister having intercourse. Bad teeth, in the garden. Oh, oh, definitely whistling through the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing with you people from the South. I love country music. I, I think it, this this is solid, solid track. It, it, it makes me kind of nostalgic for for that 90s uh, country music because, I mean, nowadays, if, if you turn on a, a top 40 country station, it's just... It's, it's bro it's country. It's appalling. Everybody knows it. The yes. people playing on it hate it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's... The musicians that play on it are really... They just play on it for the money. Like, they, but yeah. anyway, I was, I was listening to a podcast about that. Like, the, the people that play on it are like, oh, my God. They're paying me, but this is just ridiculous. It's shit, yeah. But yeah. but this this is different. This is real country music. It's a real song. I mean, you know, if you don't like country music, of course you're not you're not gonna connect to it. Of course, <laughs> but but Shelby Lynn, I, I think at the time she she was trying to break into uh, the you know the country music mainstream. It didn't happen, unfortunately for her. Uh, she's still she's still active. She's still uh she still performs. She still writes songs. She made a very very good album. I think it, uh, it, it's called I Am Shelby Lynn, I believe. And if 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 you kind of like that song, it's a, a I Am Shelby Lynn is a little more. Uh, pop i would say almost like they, they have like a some um, you know some some drum drum loops and stuff it's not it's not like you know uh, like you said uh, deliverance uh, <laughs> you know banjo in the backgrounds no it's it, it's it's a little more it's 90s but it's it's a little more uh, contemporary i would say but it's a very good album i'm shelby lynn i, I love shelby lynn I, I i don't have a bad thing to say about that song and it does make us understand you know Dennis Hopper's uh, uh, character more like he he listens to country music. He's kind of like old school. There's a song that's not on this CD that we're going to talk about uh, yep. later. That when we first see him, he's 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 singing along too. It's playing on the radio, which kind of you know it's like character building. Yeah, uh, that song that's not unfortunately on the soundtrack. I would have liked uh, for it to be, but no, they had to make room for I Want Your Body. Yes, um, but anyway, so yeah, so I, I like that song. I, I see nothing wrong with it. It's 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 good, clean '90s country. You know. And nothing wrong with it. And you, you could hear that in a <laughs> diner or if, if you're a truck driver, you know, you, 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 you walk into a diner at two o'clock in the morning, Waffle House, that's playing. Perfect. Just watch out for flying chairs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you see that video? I have, yes. Oh, my us. God. She should be in Kill Bill 3. She, she might be. That might be. <laughs> I think that might be her. That'll lead us to track eight. And since track eight is from a French opera, I'm going to let the actual French-born, French-speaking person give us the name of the track that is by Howard Blake so that I don't sound like a dumb American butchering this song. Sir, take it away. Track eight is... Uh, listeners, this is the reason why I believe I'm in this episode so I can pronounce this, this title. <laughs> That's it's it. actually it's actually just has to be very fortunate circumstances that you're doing <laughs> this actually. Uh, it's called Viens Malika sous le dôme épais and it's from a, a French opera. It's the opera is called Lacme if if I'm not uh, mistaken and it's by Leo de, Leo Delibes and it's from Act 1 everybody recognized that I'm sure. And uh, the uh, this uh, opera is of course most famous for Duo des fleurs which I don't need to tell you that but Scott but so it so it's called Viens Malika this song comes from the 1883 French opera Lacme. Howard Blake, under the direction of Tony Scott, took an excerpt from the flower duet song from this opera and created a new arrangement to be used in Tony's film The Hunger. The song would also be featured in Carlito's Way, True Romance, and as the theme song for British Airways. Here's how dumb I was. I very rarely got past the first two words. I thought, oh, it's got to be Italian. 
<laughs> well, okay, yeah. it's it's opera. Yes. You, you no. know, ninety nine percent of operas are in in, in Italian. I'm sure. Yes. And a few German and French. You know, that's yes. Bizet. You know, uh, but but that's about it. So yeah, it's it's mostly Italian. So uh, yeah, Vien. I don't know Vien with an S. That that, that doesn't look very. Uh, yeah. like, that would be Ben. Eh? You know, but yeah, I don't that's know. true. Well, Howard Blake helped compose this from the existing music. This song is very famous because it is playing as the backing track for the infamous Sicilian scene, and it starts when he asks for the Chesterfield. When he realizes that his life is over and he is going to go out with one of the greatest mic drops go fuck yourself ever in the history of film (laughs) and tell people about their lineage who are not too happy to hear about their lineage, this is insane. So this plays during it. How can you not like it? It's it's actually hard for me to listen to, you know, when I'm listening to it, if it comes up on my playlist, because I want to actually also hear, like I'm waiting for the dialogue to kick in with it, you know, so. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. It's a perfect placement for it. Absolutely perfectly placed. Again, Tarantino may have done something like this because I don't yeah. think he would have picked this. It probably been more of a spaghetti western type of feel to it, which may have changed it a bit, may not have made it as we may not have felt the weight of what was about to happen. Because when you hear it playing, you know, like you see it in Dennis Hopper's eyes, yep. see it in his face. He knows he's dead. But he's been given this beautiful trump card by him saying that he is this he's Sicilian and he's the king of Sicilian liars. And as soon as he knows that, he's like, boom, I'm going to tell you a story <laughs> that's true and you're going to have to admit to it because it's not lying. But I'm not lying. And you're going to have to <laughs> suck on this. I'm going to die, but you're going to suck on this for a while and it's going to bother you the rest of your life. So it's perfectly placed. If you don't like this song, Go fuck yourself, all right, at this point. If you don't like that scene, also go fuck yourself. Come on. One of the the greatest scenes in the history. uh, 100%. 100%. If you don't even know the movie, most people will probably know the scene. Yes, exactly. That takes us to track number nine. Love is the Tender Trap, re-recorded by Robert Palmer. This song was originally composed by Jimmy Van Heusen with lyrics by Sammy Kahn in 1955 for the film The Tender Trap, where it was sung by both Debbie Reynolds and Frank Sinatra in the film. It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song, and a version by Frank Sinatra became a major hit in the UK in 1956, peaking at number two and reaching number seven here in the States. It has also been recorded by Bing Crosby, Debbie Reynolds, Denny Dennis, Ella Fitzgerald, Sammy Davis Jr., Stacey Kent, Steve Lawrence, and Robert Palmer for a self-titled album from 1992. This song plays while Elliot is driving very fast in his Porsche, getting some road head while for some reason holding onto a bag of uncut cocaine. Who hasn't done As that? you do. Oh, yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. That, yeah. That's just a Tuesday for cool. me. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's just what Charlie Sheen does just on the way to the Waffle House. The third yeah, chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I love about that scene, and this song fits perfectly. For some reason, it just fits perfectly in the placement of it. But what I love about that scene is he gets pulled over. He's a white man driving a Borsha in Hollywood. Sure, he's speeding. He's just going to get a speeding ticket. There is zero reason for him to freak out and try to force that girl to hide the cocaine in her vagina. Yeah. He's not going to get pat down. He's freaking out. That's one good reason. He's high. Yes. But I'm saying he's (laughs) not going to get patted down. He's just going to get a speeding ticket. Nothing's going to happen to him. And he loses his fucking mind. Now, of course, if he doesn't lose his mind, we don't get the great ending that we get. So I'm glad he loses his mind. But however... (laughs) It does not make much sense. And I guess in the famous words of the late, great uh, Rick James, cocaine's a hell of a drug. (laughs) (laughs) He's high as a kite. That's why he's freaking out. (laughs) 
That's where he's the other freaking thing. out. I remember what I said during the link. Not only is he covered in cocaine, his dick is out. Of course. His, like, like she pops <laughs> up. His, he never he never adjusts himself in the scene. His dick is out. So this cop shows up. He's got cocaine all over his face, and his dick is out. And like, the, best, the best part <laughs> is when his face, when he turns to the officer and he yeah. just smiles. Oh, God. It's just such a great moment. And it's very rare that people think about that. But, folks, if you never thought about it before, watch the scene again and realize Elliot's penis is hanging out (laughs) because he just was getting a Hummer. And now the cop is there and he's got cocaine in his cock house, as you do in Hollywood, apparently. Oh my goodness! This this is a good track. I think it's I think it's uh it's there to kind of highlight Elliot thinking of himself as a Rat Pack, you know. Um, oh yeah, you know. he's he's in his mind. He's yeah. This woman thinks he's a bigwig. He's probably telling her that he's a fucking producer or something big. Where he's really not. He's an acting coach at best. So he's so he's thinking himself, uh, you know, part of Rat Pack, Vegas, you know, I'm, you know, swinging, you know, and it's I got the cocaine, I got the convertible, I <laughs> got my dick I'm out. In the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the movies, so you know, so it fits. I think Robert Palmer, uh, that's I think uh, Sinatra recorded that song prior prior to this. Quite a few people have, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, this is good uh, uh, opportunity to talk about Robert Palmer. Nobody ever talks about Robert Palmer. He's he was completely forgotten and kind of like. Um, you know, George Michael before he passed away, all of a sudden he passed away and everybody loved George Michael. But for, for the 20 years prior, nobody ever talked about yeah. him. No, nobody ever dared say I like George Michael's music because he was a, thought of as a has-been, as a, a just the butt of a joke of a guy that got caught, you know, in the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> His dick out. <laughs> right, yeah. So it, it, it's a theme in, in, in this podcast, apparently. Uh, Welcome to the Dick Out Podcast. <laughs> you should be listening, honestly. Host. You should be listening to this podcast with your dick out. I'm just saying, the, you know. Well, I thought it was. We're not of, telling you to. We're not but, telling you have to. No, but, but you, it, and it you also don't have to send me photos that you do. I don't need well, that. No. You could just say you do. You. I'll believe you. Yes, I don't need any <laughs> photographic evidence. Thank you, though. So Robert Palmer really like. I, I encourage uh, people to go back into his catalog. He's, he's he's had some great great tracks. His first album he recorded in New Orleans with the uh, the Meters. Uh, it was sneaking Sally through the alley. It's just 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 great tracks. New Orleans music. One of my favorite songs is Every Kind of people uh it's it's got one of the best bass tracks like if you like bass it was bob babbitt from uh he was one of the funk brothers uh he was a white guy but he was he was part of the motown uh you know house band Every kind of people. That uh, it was a beer commercial in the '80s, by the way. When you when you would go to the movies, I remember I remember going to the movies as a kid and seeing a, uh, it was a Heineken commercial, and it was that song. It was Robert Palmer, "Every Kind of People," and you had a bunch of people in the bar drinking Heineken, and it's it, it's it's just a great track. If if you don't remember that song, "Every Kind of People" by Robert Palmer, just 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 go go listen to it. It's it's just a great track. Robert Palmer. Nobody talks about him. Uh, "Addicted to Love" that was in uh, Cocktail, I believe. I think part of the reason is I think what more most people will know him for, besides his very unique voice, but he had those almost department store like women who like mannequins. They all had their mm-hmm. hair slicked back and they all have big tits and the like the but they're all playing the instrument. I think that's what most people remember from those two videos that he did is they had them in there. And so I don't think, you know, I think people looked at him as like a novelty act because yeah. of that. Yeah. However, did you, since we recorded this for the second time, <laughs> did you check out his cover of Get It On? I forgot. You because we talked about it. And I forgot. <laughs> so all that, all the cirrhosis is getting into your head, sir. Yes, well, you yeah, are I drinking my, your brains my, my, away. My brain is <laughs> just, you know, it's pickled right now. So, yes, check out Robert Palmer's cover of Get It On. 
okay. quite a great cover of that fantastic track. I'm a fan of Robert Palmer, and uh, maybe one of maybe this will uh, send some people and, and check out his music. Go, go dig early, uh, Robert Palmer. I'm telling you, sneaking Sally through the alley. It's amazing. It's the meters. It's New Orleans music with Robert Palmer's uh, voice on top of it. What, what can be better than that? You know, great stuff. And listen to it with your dick out. Absolutely. In a convertible, in a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> That'll lead us to track number 10. Maybe uh, the most famous song on this CD. Outshined by one of the godfathers of grunge, Soundgarden. American rock group and grunge forefather Soundgarden released the song in 1991 as a part of their third studio album, Bad Motorfinger. It was the second single from the album, where it peaked at number 45 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart. The song was also featured on the 1994 bike racing game, Road Rat, as well as a playable song on the 2011 video game, Rocksmith. This song plays when Blue Lou Boyle's hit squad arrives <laughs> at Dick Ritchie's house while our good man Floyd is smoking a motherfucking bowl. Now, this was just a temporary music track that film editor Tony Cerrone put on the soundtrack while they were doing the scene. And it became such a fan favorite during some of the early screenings prior to actually setting the film out mm-hmm. that majority of the budget for soundtrack went to acquiring the song as it had become a hit for Soundgarden a year earlier. So this also explains why the songs we'll talk about in a few minutes that were in the movie did not make it to the soundtrack is because Outshined was fantastic. Again, Tarantino most likely would have missed this song, would not have put it in, but it is one of those synergy moments where the song and the moment are absolutely perfect. And the acting, right? Oh, God, yes. Totally encompasses the pothead, semi-neo-hippie of the 90s. The hacky sack hippie from the ni- early mm-hmm. 90s who oh, yeah. traveled to follow Fish and Dave Matthews and just fucking <laughs> perfect with his fucking knitted beret and shit like that. We, Fantastic. I've, I've, I've known those guys. I've, I've known quite a few of those guys. Yeah, I'm sure you have, too. And you couldn't have lived in the 90s and not. You just can't. And it's not just a California thing. They were fucking everywhere. Oh, no, they were French, they were, too. Yes. They were in yes. France. I, yes. I'm, I'm here to tell you. They were looking California, but feeling Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota, yep. <laughs> Great oh. track. I mean, oh, I, so good. I know you're a Pearl Jam fan. Huge Pearl Jam fan, my, yes. My favorite, my favorite band in the 90s from Seattle it was definitely Soundgarden. I was Team Soundgarden. I love, I love Pearl Jam. I love Versus. I love Vitalogy. But to me, Soundgarden it was my number one. My number two, Alice in Chains. But really, Soundgarden, I, I just love that band. And this this is one of their best songs. It's very heavy, the, yeah. the guitar riff. Like if, if you ever want to feel like a badass and, and, and you're a guitar player, just detune your, your low E string and just play that riff and it just makes you feel like a badass. Like you can take on the world. And it's it, it's perfect for that perfect for that uh, that scene. And, oh, and what, I like, I, I, what I love about that scene is I think we talked about that in our episode on the Bible study on the house uh, the invasion scene the invasion scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. People don't give enough credit to uh, Brad Pitt for his comedic. Oh, it's fantastic! And yes. he took this uh, almost like had no lines in the script. I, I read the script uh, a year or two ago. Floyd barely has any. I don't even know that he has any lines in the script. And Brad Pitt just ran. I think he stole the third act of the movie. Like he's one of those memorable side characters. Yes, he's just one of those guys who just and it's ad libbed. It's all ad libbed. The, the cleaning products. The yep. Don't condescend me, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll kill you, man. Kill you, man. <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff, all that stuff is out of lib. That's just Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt, and it's just it's it's great. My favorite uh, part.
part of that character is that when, well, the first time James Gandolfini shows up, you know, he's smiling and he, he doesn't really represent himself as a, you know, as, as a bad guy. He's, he's kind of asking really nice. So, you know, so Brad Pitt tells him, it gives him the information. Now, the second time around, the blue boil guys, <laughs> they show up with guns. I mean, there's no, there's no trying to, you know, hide their intentions. And Brad Pitt is so high off his board <laughs> that he doesn't he doesn't care like they ask him a question and he's so happy to have the answer he's like a little kid that's that never has the answer in the classroom and all of a sudden he knows the answer and it's like he's so excited yes i know that i know the answer to that yes they had the beverly yes like i know that I know the, the best part is this then the directions how they ever fucking make it to the beverly is absolutely astounding because <laughs> there is no google maps there's no map quest you either knew he's like you're gonna drive a while and then you take a right and you drive some more and you take a left it's just <laughs> The worst directions um, fucking w- ever. Wouldn't you like, like, uh, you know, the GPS uh, uh, voice be uh, um, Floyd? Yeah, Brad Pitt just recording Floyd. Yeah, yeah man, you're going to drive yeah, a little man, bit just, and you're just going to take a left. Just a little bit. And then now you, you take the street, just drive a little bit <laughs> and take a left. <laughs> Oh, but Outshined from Soundgarden makes it Amazing. that much better. It really does. It just adds that just the, it's the right touch. Just like we said, like uh, it is his theme music, just like Graceland is Clarence's theme music. Outshined yes. just perfectly encapsulates yes. who the fuck Floyd truly, truly is. And it's a great fucking song. Amazing yes. fucking song. Yeah, if you just take it out of the movie, you know, I, I think I knew the song before I watched the movie. I'm a, you know, obviously, Bad Motor Fingers, you know, I just yeah. listened to that a whole lot at that time. And when I heard it in there, I'm like, yeah, perfect. It fits. Mm-hmm. It really did. It, it's it's perfect for those. Now, that's that's an instance of a song that's perfect for the scene and that I would like to listen to on the soundtrack. soundtrack. <laughs> you know, it's possible. <laughs> it can be done. That and I want your body. Those are two, yeah. the two big ones. The perfect. <laughs> that leads us to track eleven, our third and final orchestral piece on this soundtrack, and that is "Amid the Chaos of the Day" by Mr. Hans Zimmer. This is the musical score that plays during the bloodbath in Lee's hotel room, and again, it's one of those moments when you listen to it, you know, it's like you can hear all the moments, the beats. You can almost picture what's going on as the song is playing. Like you know when the gunshots start. You know when he throws the tea. You know when Clarence has been shot. And, you know, the guy's like, get an ambulance, a new doctor. <laughs> I'll call your hearse and shoot. You, know, you can feel all the beats. You can hear the music timing for it. So they picked the right moments from the score soundtrack to put on this as far as I'm concerned. I think, you know, I, I don't hate Amid the Castle. I actually really enjoy it because it's so tied to the moment of the scene that, it, that it's parlaying with in the film. Your feelings on this? No, I, I like it. It's, you know, it's I, I don't have a lot to say about about this one but yeah it just fits the movie do i want to listen to it often maybe not but all it fits the, the movie you know all this <laughs> <laughs> that and if and infamous yes but no it's yeah it's 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 perfect for the movie you know it's 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 and again that theme comes back you know and it's their theme it's, it's their relationship it's clarence and alabama's relationship yeah. they have a theme song that's that's pretty cool like you know we, we would all like for our um you know relationship our uh, couple to, to have its own theme song and it's, it's it's pretty cool that's a cool one as time has gone on with Tarantino and he has started to add in scores from other films, music like this, but what it does is, is it as good as like the, you know, the vocal tracks that we know we can sing along to? No. But at the same time, like you said, without Shined, I, I think of the Brad Pitt part, but I also have heard that song a thousand different times that it doesn't necessarily lock 
to that moment no. where no. when I do hear the scores that are brought up and I hear them on my playlist, I do remember like I go, oh, that's when this happened. Oh, this is when the bride is doing this. I know the moments that they're associated with. So there is something about that that I, I like because it does instantly bring me back mm-hmm. to the part in the film that they come from. I may not necessarily love them as much as, you know, our needle dropped pieces, but nevertheless... As I've grown with the catalog of his soundtrack music, I have also grown to enjoy the orchestral pieces as much as the others. It leads us to our 12th and final track on this record, which is Two Hearts from the amazing Chris Isaac. This song was the fourth track off of Chris's fourth album, San Francisco Days, that was released in 1993. It was certified gold in the U.S., Canada, and Australia, while being certified silver in the U.K. This song is the closing credit song, and much like a lot of the Tarantino films in the 90s especially, the music sends us off with a happy feeling to it. Reservoir Dogs sends us off with Coconut. We're set off in this one with the Two Hearts by Chris Isaac. We're set off in Pulp Fiction with a happy surf music. There is some upbeat moments in some of the Tarantino's films where we all go off happily into the sunset after some traumatic events, but we still go off feeling like, hey, that was a pretty good ride. So I really enjoyed the song. The interesting thing about this is... If you go on iTunes, it's in it from an album called San Francisco Days, but it's not on his, you know, essentials and it's not on his deep cuts, which is interesting that it made a soundtrack. It made the title on the soundtrack and it doesn't make it into his iTunes playlist. So I don't know. Maybe I, obviously Apple doesn't know everything in the world, clearly, but your feelings on this amazing song by the great Chris Isaac. I love it. Chris Isaac's one of my favorite artists. Uh, uh, when that album, San Francisco Days, came out, uh, there was a pivotal moment in my life. We, we moved across country and, uh, you know, I was kind of by myself. I had to make new friends and start from scratch. I was about 16. And that that record was the soundtrack of that period in my life. I, I love Chris Isaac, all the stuff, Blue Hotel, Wicked Games, obviously. And even his latest stuff, like San Francisco Days, the whole album, I, I don't think there's a bad song on there. I, it's, I love Chris Isaac. I, I saw him in Vegas at the MGM Grand on, on our honeymoon. My wife and I, uh, he, he, he signed uh, my wife's t-shirt. Uh, we saw him again at the House of Blues in New Orleans. He's great. He's just, just he, he, that's one of the guys we were saying that when we first recorded this podcast you'll never hear it but he he was born he was born too late he he would have been as big as elvis and ricky nelson if if you know if he would have been uh, that age at that time and he's he's amazing i, I don't have a bad yeah, thing a to say songwriter. about chris isaac he's yeah. great looking guy great songwriter great singer i love chris isaac i love that song like it, it leaves you like you said it, it leaves you at the time you didn't really have what's like netflix and you know streaming services and and blu-rays and all that kind of stuff when the last song of the movie was meant for people to be getting up from their and walking out of the theater and leaving you with some kind of impression. And it was this song, like like you said, like there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of violence, but at the end you you get this song and it just, it lifts you up, kind of like the theme, kind of like You're So Cool, the Hans Zimmer kind of lifts you up. At the end, it's, it's about two hearts. It's about that couple, it's about that love affair and then just that love story. And it just brings it back to true romance, to, to, to romance. So when I, when I tell people my favorite movie of all time is true romance, those that know the movie go, okay, yeah, I get it. And those who don't know the movie, they're like, okay, that's probably like a, like a, a romantic comedy. You know? <laughs> no, not really. But this song at the end kind of kind of brings that aspect that, that you know, kind of like, yes. it, it, without being cheesy, because it's a beautiful song. It's heartfelt. But at the same time, it has that levity of romance. So it's, you do believe in romance at the end, at the end of the movie. It's, it's beautiful. And now we're going to discuss the songs that didn't make it because much better songs from Nymphomania yeah. and Charles, Charles and Eddie, and Eddie made it <laughs> instead. 
Now, the songs that we do here in the film but do not make this soundtrack are White Wedding by Billy Idol, Skinny, They Can't Get Enough by the Skinny Boys, Heartbreak Hotel, Sung by Val Kilmer, Chantilly Lace by Big Bopper, The Other Side from Aerosmith, Everybody Loves Somebody from Ken Lane, Will You Love Me Tomorrow by the Shirelles, Raga Yaman by Clem Elford, Little Bitty Tear from Burl Ives, All the Way from Jerry Delmonico, and Learning the Blues also from Jerry Delmonico. Now, of these songs that didn't make it, what are ones that you would have liked to seen on? If you could pick, oof, let's say we, we could replace Wounded Bird, I Want Your Body, and I, I know you like it, but I would take off I Need a Heart to Come Home To. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll Those three. You. All right. What three would you put on in its place? Me personally. Okay, this is my taste. This, this is, is your pick, yes. Uh, my pick. Little Bitty Tear, Burr Ives. I love it. It's, it's, I know it's old timey. I know it's, you know, it, mm-hmm. but it sets up uh, Dennis Hopper's character perfectly. You know, it's like the sweet old man yeah, that, I, that, I like, would agree. that likes those old songs. And I, I personally love the song. Like sometimes it's stuck in my head and I walk around singing <laughs> that song, <laughs> just, just like Dennis Hopper in the movie. <laughs> now he's a sweet old man that, that named his dog Rommel after SS, you know, so he's a sweet old man, but he's, you know, he's racist. My, just, just, this, this, yeah. this, this, yeah, this, just, just a right. yeah, and he's a is. former cop, so it all fits. Go well, ahead. You said it. I did. I, look, I, it's I what he's in the it. movie. He's a former cop. He's a night watchman. I'm just saying he is. Hey. Just, I'm, I'm stating facts. You made that shortcut. I, I did. It's not a shortcut. I'm just saying. Yeah, in well, the movie, you in the cop movie cop race. he yeah, is okay. a cop. <laughs> he named this thing after thing. He's a racist. Like, let's not pretend he's nothing else. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> so a little bit of tear. Uh, Burr eyes. That, that would be my first pick. If, if I could wake up tomorrow and on the, the original CD, Nymphomania is replaced by Little Bitty Tear by Burr Ives. That would make me so happy. Anyway, second one I would replace, I would put Chantilly Lace by The Big Bopper. I, I, it's, that's a Stone Cold 50s rock and roll classic. Who doesn't like that song? Yeah, it comes out when he's uh, taking a shit and calling on the phone. And Clarence calls him, and then Clarence decides to bang Alabama in a phone booth, which most of you well, who aren't our age or older have no idea what the fuck that is. <laughs> no. It's a box with a phone in it. I know it sounds weird, but we we had phone uh, phone booths. Uh, so uh, it's a fun. It's just a fun song. It's just like full of energy. It's perfect. And of course, you know Big Bopper. Everybody knows he he died with uh you know Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and Richie Valens. You know, and the the, the data music died. Everybody knows that. And the third song I would replace would be, and that's I know why it wasn't included, but I would put the other side by Aerosmith. I, actually, I, in my uh, perfect. True Romance soundtrack playlist on my phone. It's included. It's off of their uh, comeback album, Pump, yep. 1989, I believe. That was their comeback record from uh, from the late 80s. Yep. It's such a great track. Like, they, yeah. they're driving to L.A. They have the they use it. In the, they use it in the trailer. The trailer yeah. from the 90s. That was, that was the song they used. And it starts It starts there when they finally make it to L.A. That's the song that announces them in L.A. Yes. So, so it, the film flips, goes into the, the California part. Right. Correct. It's, it's like the second half of the movie. Like, it just... It, and, and it's great because it's got, like, those horns. I, I, I know they're synthesizers, but but it's like the horn, almost like, you know, the in the old 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 days, the yeah. Middle Ages, they used to have the pa-pa-pa-pa-pa, you know, to announce, <laughs> like, a, like a, a important event, you know, at the, the King's Court. Well, this is the announcement that now we're in L.A and this movie is going to shift because we have this couple and they have a shit ton of cocaine as they put it and <laughs> what's going to happen and it's like we're getting to the, to the you know the LA the big 
big city and it's it's like they're announcing that they're they're in town and it's the next chapter of the movie i love that song i think it's a great song i like uh, uh aerosmith it's my uh, my wife's favorite band i think it's a, it's a great song it, to me it's perfect for that that moment in the movie it's very exciting it's like if if i would be in a convertible and go to la that would be in the freeway that, that would be my song that's perfect that's a, that's a tony scott song i don't think Tarantino yes. would have put no. that song in there no, 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 no. and and it's got you know the filter like the 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 pink filter it's, it's yeah. so tony scott and it works yeah. oh yeah it's, it's, it does it's, it's, it works it's perfect great. for him yes so that's my three picks a little bitty tear chantilly lace and the other side let's ask our guest some fucking questions we're gonna wrap this bad boy up with some questions for you starting with one you already answered because you're a son of a bitch from europe and you can't <laughs> fucking stay in line but that is what is your favorite track on the soundtrack besides nymphomania's i want your body what would be your second favorite song on the soundtrack. Oh, the second favorite because yeah, you gave me the <laughs> you gave me the rules, and then the French and me went no. Yeah, that's that's, that's what we do. <laughs> so so what's my second favorite? Yeah, and next, next to no no besides your body from uh, oh <laughs> <laughs> no my my real favorite is Graceland. I said that at the beginning. I, I played my hand up, up you know, but uh, I I would say my second one that's in the soundtrack. You mean and on the yes. CD on the, on the official CD? I would say Two Hearts. I love it. Very good song. Very good song. I guess you can see a theme, you know, Rockabilly, yep. and then and then Chris Isaac is not very far from Rockabilly. He he did a Sun Records uh, a tribute album. Uh, it's I, I love all that stuff. That that fifties, you know, inspired music. I, I love it also. Yeah, I, my second second favorite would be uh, Two Hearts. I, I love it. It's a great song. What is your least favorite track on the soundtrack? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have not been listening to this episode so far, I'm gonna repeat Nymphomania. I want your body. <laughs> It's terrible. It's playing in hell right now. I know it, and it's 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 horrible. It, it it's perfect for you know. We're not gonna repeat ourselves, but no, it's it's terrible. It sucks. It's it's horrible. I can't stand it. I literally cannot stand it. Like if you play that, I will ask you to stop. And if you don't, I will get very mad. I should just call you one time. And just have it playing as soon as you answer the phone. Just. <laughs> uh. It just it just makes me because I'm I'm, I'm very sensitive to, to sounds, good and bad. Like a good song can make me feel on top of the world or just so relaxed. And on the other on the other end of the spectrum, like the noises that really annoy <laughs> me or songs that I hate, it's just like it's visceral. Like it's it, you know good and bad. So yeah, you know, that that song is visceral when it start it starts. I can't stand it. How, how about you? How, do you how, how about you answer those questions? Uh, my favorite is. No, Charles and Actually, it's, it's You're So Cool. It's just so oh, okay. catchy. So fun catchy. The my least one. favorite is Wounded Bird. Yeah. I Want Your Body is a close second, but Wounded Bird is my least favorite. So you'd rather so listen to I Want Your Body than Wounded Bird? Only because I want your body recollects in me that amazing scene. That's the only reason. Wounded Bird, I'm just like, oh, this is such a shitty 90s oh, love song. It's yeah. cheese. Yeah. It's cheesy as hell. Probably I was trying to be my favorite, but but that's I, I don't think that's fair because I already liked the song before the soundtrack. So right. I, You're So Cool just as always catches what is your most underrated track on this soundtrack? Well, I, th I think we're going to agree. It's that John Waits song. Yes. In Dreams. Yes. And recently, it became that for me. Once, you know, preparing for this episode two weeks ago, <laughs> to record it a week ago. Yeah, I just started re-listening to it, and I was like, man, I really like this John Waits song. And I really, I was like, man, this is really fucking good. Like, I really, really enjoyed this. You know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things about that song is the guitar tone. Like, I'm a guitar player, and that, that yeah. dirty guitar tone, you wouldn't think of, of a very commercial sounding song with that 
dirty of a guitar tone. That song is, is has a few things for it that that make it interesting instead of kind of cheesy. Like it, it it pulls it out. Like like I said, that line, the word outside can kiss my ass. Like in the middle of a of a sweet song, like whoa. <laughs> and and that guitar tone, it's 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 interesting. It makes it an interesting song instead of just a you know formulaic uh, you know eighties nineties uh, yeah. cheese song. Uh, FM music on a you know it, it it makes it interesting. It makes it more. It makes it better. Yeah, I, I I I think it's the most underrated song on the soundtrack. Agreed. Last but not least, where does this soundtrack rank for you in all of the Tarantinoverse soundtracks? Well, this soundtrack has some of my favorite songs. So, so like we said, uh, not not to repeat myself, <laughs> but uh, uh, Graceland and yeah, Two Hearts yeah, yeah. and Outshine and all that stuff. So. You would think it would be pretty, it would rank pretty high, but it doesn't because yeah. the highs are very high. The the good songs are so great, but the not so great songs are terrible. They're not it, it, because Res- Reservoir Dogs, the great songs are great, and then the not so great, eh, they're okay. They, they they're not they're not terrible. They yeah. they're like meh songs. So uh, great songs and meh songs it's my favorite movie of all time but the soundtrack is not my favorite soundtrack of all time it's not even my favorite tarantino related soundtrack because of those songs that just that just bring it down it's a shame if it would have the three songs that you know if if you could switch those songs that i was talking about then yeah it it would rank very very high but unfortunately those those songs they're not meant they're meant to be in 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 the movie in the scene but to me they're not meant to be enjoyed as 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 a separate piece what do you feel it's it. yeah, it's probably low too. You, you're right, and it's, I mean, it's a shame yeah. because it's it got is, great it songs. Because I'm a huge, obviously, fan of the film. Huge fan of the film. Oh, it's my favorite movie. But yes, it does not. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't translate no, on the CD. No, it doesn't. Unfortunately, and, I know, wish it. I wish. I wish it did, but it yeah. doesn't. I'm, I'm very happy with it when I get to, to listen to it in the film. But I don't go fucking gaga for it no. outside of the film. And that's why it's not a Tarantino soundtrack, because Tarantino yep. soundtracks, you enjoy them as much as you enjoyed the movie. Yeah. And 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 it, it it reminds you the songs remind you of the great scenes in the movie, but they're great songs on their own. Yes. So yes. so you enjoy them yeah. as musical pieces. And on top of that, you have the added value of you remember the 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 scene. This yeah. one, the good songs, you get that from those. Because like when I hear, when I listen to Graceland, I love the song by itself, but I love it 10 times more because of that scene. But unfortunately, some of the other songs, it doesn't work. Like on their own, they're not good enough to, to exist and have that extra value. And that will do it for this month's Hymno Devotional. I would once again like to thank my special guest, Pat Fournier, co-host of the B News USA podcast, for joining me this month. Now, you can find the link to the B News USA podcast along with the show's socials in the show's notes. And as always, you can become a member of the Church of Tarantino by following us on all our socials. Those links can be found in the show notes as well. So join me again in two weeks as Craig Cohen, musician, composer, and host of Conversations at Jack Rebs Lens, joins me as we take a look at two of the films that helped inspire one of the greatest films of all time, Pulp Fiction. Those films being Kiss Me Deadly and A Clock orange now if you would be so kind as to take a moment to like review subscribe and follow us the church would greatly appreciate it so until next time this has been the reverend scott k may tarantino be with you always
motherfucker. This has been a man with an exceptional beard production.